Welcome to the Dividend Talk Podcast, episode 142, quarter one, 23, portfolio review. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just getting started, Dividend Talk is the place to be for insights, analysis, and unsorted advice on how to make the most of your money through dividends with our own unique European flavor. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and join our community on Facebook at Dividend Talk. See you on the inside. Hey, European DJ. How are you, buddy? Uh, really good, actually, because this week I was so uh, busy at work and I was so annoyed with everything that was going on. It's it's really, sometimes it's a mess. It's, it's high season for me. But, you know, then you see the dividends coming in. Oh, the Shell dividend. It's my biggest position, my biggest contributor. It was so nice. And... It really gives you this freedom feeling, right? And then the Unilever dividend as well, which is also quite significant. So it feels so good just seeing these dividends come in. I, I love it. I really love it. Yeah, it's been... I, I'm the same at work. I was supposed to travel at work this week and it was so crazy back in the factory that got cancelled. All the flights, everything. That money was wasted. It was it was that busy. But it's, um, as you said, March is a surprisingly busy month in terms of dividends and we'll, we'll get into that we'll get into how our how quarter how we did over this quarter um but first of all what's been in the news this week well quite a lot actually but maybe the first one that i would like to highlight is one of my favorite stocks that i don't own walter skluver got a uh, credit rating upgrade from moody's and they had a what was it a, a baa1 and now they are going into the premium grade of uh, a3 so I just want to call it out because I've been following this company for some time. It's it's always a bit too expensive for me, uh, but maybe I just need to pull the trigger one time uh, just as an entry position because I just love this stock so much. I, I, I really love them and I think it's a really good business, very solid. They have a really nice combination of continuous dividends and, and buybacks. So I'm a big fan of this stock. And I also sometimes I hear people talking about it like, oh, you know, we're doing a deal with Walters Kluwer, uh, the, the, their databases and such, and or an integration with them. And they're just on fire. And then the continuous buybacks on top of that, they have such a good capital allocation strategy, organic growth of 6 to 7% in, in revenue. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that it took them so long to get this uh, credit rating. But yeah, 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 I really need to get the stock one day. Interesting. I, I have them inside my Dutch trading two one two pie that I, I robbed off your blog post one time. <laughs> it's been it's been doing pretty well. So I do own a small piece of this company, but as you said, boring company, but one that that's doing really, really well. And it, look, it's interesting. I think Moody's is always a good place to to read about companies, don't take the word as gospel, but they do give you some good insights. And it's 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 very telling that in the current economic cycle that we're in, that Moody's think that they have such resiliency to that to to increase that. So it's it's a good yeah. sign. Yeah. 
Well, actually, Moody's is probably one of the only groups of analysts that I actually take relatively serious because they have a good system behind it. Uh, and they always write down like what it will take them to upgrade and what it will yeah. take them to downgrade. They're not the accountants. Yeah. So they are not like KPMG uh, uh, looking at like that, but there's always very uh, useful information in it. And uh, you can see that they really do their due diligence compared to the regular Wall Street analyst that, that is just pump and dump uh, what it often feels. Exactly. They have less to gain from their, I think, less to gain from their reports than your yeah. average Wall Street. Although, although, although I will oh, I know. forget the, the big short uh, movie yeah. where they went to the credit rating agency and they said like, hey, kind of they pay us. So what do you think? Yeah, yeah. with the banks at the yeah. time. Yeah, look, you can't rely on them hundred percent, but I think it's just—I think it's a really good place to start. Even before good source of information. Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, Johnson Johnson, we've spoke about, and I think it is official that the Supreme Court dismissed their. I think they wanted to delay the last ruling when when the bankruptcy they wanted to um, file for that. So. I think I think they're going to have to face this now. They're going to have to hit it head on and just and just deal with it. It does not look like they can bring it to bankruptcy. But we don't know how much it's going to cost. But it looks like it's manageable for them. Yeah. And what are they going to do now with the mentees from Bayer that came all all across the pond uh, there to learn from the litigation uh, and legal officers? <laughs> Bayer came over and they've lost even more money on plane tickets and hotels because they've yeah. gone back home without any more knowledge. But and even so, Bayer comes over and uh, the virus press to Johnson and Johnson. Now Johnson and Johnson is also screwed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe oh maybe Johnson and Johnson took advice from Bayer and they just screwed themselves <laughs> over. But it's yeah. uh, I I think at this stage I think they just have to face up to the fact that they're going to have to deal with this litigation they can't spin off they can't they can't file for bankruptcy so it looks like they're yeah. gonna have to just suck it up and, and and see what happens well you know if you hear how many people are addicted sometimes to all this stuff right uh, to the opioid i'm not surprised uh, that there's some litigation there but okay that's for another time yeah <laughs> um, last thing then a little bit it's like you know i'm a i'm i'm the classic uh, back holder of alibaba with an average price of 100 50 or in the 40 i i forgot even uh, it's trading around 100 now because it uh, the price jumped 14 percent after the news that they are that they have decided to follow kind of the alphabet model so they are creating from their company six business units that effectively will operate independently they can even ipo and raise uh, capital if needed um the six business units will be cloud intelligence uh, taobao tmall commerce local service and bloody bloody blah, blah, blah. Um, generally, I like it because it makes it a bit more transparent uh, in this company. It's a hard to analyze company generally. I, honestly, I still think it's heavily overvalued. But of course, the Chinese government is like the invisible hand uh, above the share price. Um, but it's one of those kind of failures of my, um, you know, my ten percent of the portfolio that I like for growth stocks. So. Well, let's see where it goes and where it stands by the end of the year. Then I'll make up the account and the balance sheet uh, from because that's been three years. Yeah, you're, you're still you're still holding on to it. If it if it touches if it touches break even, would you be tempted to sell before the end no, of the year? No, 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 not really. No. Okay. Uh, I really want to 
try to do my best uh, with this one. It's also a bit uh, for me learning money. Yeah, I, I mean, I've heard the news, but I haven't looked into these six different business clusters. Some of them don't even make sense. <laughs> I don't know what yeah. a terrible T-Mobile <laughs> commerce group is. Like, I, I, I don't know, but it could be it could be a good thing it could be yeah. a bad thing but it, time will tell but it's um yeah it's interesting for for people holding this now three years without seeing a return on a, on a, a growth stock is yeah is yeah, yeah. As well. uh, what was funny that actually a few days before it was heavily in the news that jack ma the former uh, the founder of the company was somewhere spotted uh, in Chiang Mai on the university and then i think like yeah this hits the news like oh wait he's still alive uh, <laughs> Well, well timed, yeah. He'll go missing now for another six months or something. Says enough, yeah. <laughs> okay, enough, enough doom and gloom, I suppose. Let's talk about our portfolios. Um, and we'll start with you. How did you, how did you do this, this quarter in March, first of all, and this quarter overall? Yeah. I would say I did decently. Um, I was expecting maybe a little bit better when I was running, running the numbers. Um, but I noticed that the BHP billeton uh, dividend was not paid out yet to me on my account. Should have been paid yesterday. Still waiting on it uh, on uh, uh, for it on interactive brokers. But look, hey, the the most important metric, my quarterly net dividend income. Um, so what what hit my uh, cash account went up by 19% compared to last year. Uh, specifically in February, it did well. It was 30% more. In March, it was about 4% less compared to last year because last year, BHP gave me such a huge, big dividend that is not being accounted for. Uh, and I even didn't get a small dividend uh, this quarter. So, but still, let's say almost flat uh, in March. So 90% on average up is, is really good result. Uh, my portfolio yield is now 3.7%. It was around 3.8, mainly because in the last few days, my portfolio value went quite a bit up um which is uh developing well um and the portfolio yield doesn't really matter as such because i'm buying some really interesting stocks at the moment so what i bought in this quarter in the beginning of the uh, of the quarter i bought some t row price group i bought two times uh, johnson johnson one time around 160 dollars and the other time around 150 dollars i bought two times uh national nederlander group and then group uh, one time around 40 euro and the other time around 37 euro um, i didn't um, uh, buy yet at these price levels because i have this rule to not buy too aggressively in a, uh, at once but maybe in the in the upcoming card quarter i will uh, round up my uh, my position size there um, i also bought some shares in defama uh, i think two or three days before they announced their earnings it was was nicely priced for me at the time and I entered a new position in legal and general group. It hit my price of 220, is it uh, pence? Or I, I, I don't remember exactly, yeah. Yeah, um, pence, yeah. yeah exactly, uh, 220 pence. It was already long outstanding uh, for two or two, three months. And uh, yeah, so again, another insurance company here. So yeah, and this these were my buys, not too many, I would say. So I'm talking here about uh, seven, uh buys that i made over the three of the last three months but they were of large value so a little bit about what i usually pay for an individual share um uh, because i had a lot of conviction around johnson johnson and also nn group and also uh, i said zero price so 
Um, if you look at it from that point of view, my portfolio value grew by 11% year over year, but it was 4.5% um, organically if you, if you take out the additional cash that I, I have uh, put in. 12.2% um, of all the investments that I did in this quarter was reinvesting from dividends, so I'm also really happy with this. And I am now at a projected annual dividend income of approximately 49%, so which is also really nice. Um, keeps on growing, so I hope I'll hit the 50% soon. Should be in the next month. And my largest holding is still Shell, around 8%. Didn't really move that much. And the largest sector is still IT for me, with around 20% in my portfolio. So overall happy. Um, yeah i would have loved to see a bit more dividends but uh, i think i just i clarified that also with what is the difference compared to last year yeah you you almost seem disappointed given given this update um come on you're 49 percent to to your 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 was an ideal dividend income yeah that's gotta make you smile at least yeah yeah it makes me smile but you know I'm a I'm a achiever. I, I want to get more. <laughs> I want to have more cash. I I, th I think what it does show in this quarter is that you stuck a little bit more to conviction stocks. Stocks you have more conviction in because, as you said, it doesn't look like you've done a lot of business, but it's of larger quantity. So it's it's not a bad thing. Yeah. And it's, I, I think the average yield is quite high actually this quarter compared to what you usually do. Yeah, because the insurance stocks uh, were really attractive, so that made it really nice. But you know, I'm all the time reminding myself buy uh, high quality. So that's why I have not been buying Viatris as an example at the moment. Um, the Tiro price for me is high quality. Of course, Johnson Johnson two times as high quality. Um, Defama is really high quality for me as well. Um, National and Nederland, uh, I would consider it good quality, and Legal in general uh, as well as good quality. Yeah, really strong, good, strong policies behind it, dividend history behind it. So this was really what I was aiming for uh, this year. And I feel I'm sticking to the plan. I would, of course, like to buy some more high quality, maybe some Texas Instruments again, but uh, maybe in the upcoming quarter provides an opportunity. Yeah, I, I was just going to ask you, you want to change anything in the next quarter? Are you going to target specific sectors? Because I know you're quite heavy in insurance here. Yeah, I think I've... I mean, it was the opportunity that kept on giving, right? Uh, yeah. This quarter, and, and and you know, this these sectors, they are even industries. They go in waves. So who knows? Maybe the chip industry gets hammered now because of consumer uh, spending or something like that, or the lack of it. So maybe we get some uh, Texas Instruments opportunities again. It's also stock that I really want to own more of. Yeah. Cool. No, nice, nice update. It's um. It's it's inspiring to see that forty nine percent. I'm hoping you get to fifty soon. That'll be quite an achievement. Um, and then the snowball effect will really start to to kick in. And yeah, and don't forget the dividends that will come in in the next quarter because it's the April, May, and June. All the European payers, and I've been buying quite some European stocks last year. So yeah, fingers crossed. You're you're in for a big a big quarter, I think. Yeah, exactly. Nice one. Um, How about you? I, yeah, I had I had quite a decent quarter this this quarter. Um, in March, I nearly doubled my dividend income, um, so Ooh. it went from a hundred and is it eighty euro, a hundred and ninety or something like that, up to three hundred and forty 
two euro. So it's quite a big, quite a big increase year over year. Um, my average for the quarter is just under two hundred euro per month, which is, which is oh. not too bad. Um, I'm currently at twelve percent of my FI figure in in dividends. Um, my largest holding, like you, is still Shell. It's seven point eight three percent, mainly because of the large capital gains from that. Larger sector is consumer staples, but that is coming down. That was up around forty percent at one point. It's now more manageable at twenty one percent. And Altria is still my largest gross dividend. Nice. Um, I was quite I was quite active in my purchases this quarter. So I, if you remember, I do have a small portion in high income stocks like CES yeah. that, that I was yeah. forced to close. So. I'm closing the US-based ones and investing them in some UK-based ones. So you'll see companies there like um, ticker symbol BPCR and NCYF. So they're just, yeah. they're like ETFs, but they're not taxed like that in, in Ireland. So they're investment trusts. So just some of them in there. But my main boys, as you can see, is is uh, ticker symbol NN. I can't pronounce it as well as you. Vici, BTI, and uh blackstone were my my main ones um i did add a small bit of throw as well so i was uh, quite active legal in general was there um i forgot i actually had an order in at them and that's been triggered a couple of weeks ago <laughs> i didn't even know until i was i was viewing that i think it was at the start of the month so like you i think i bought my fill of insurance companies on the flip mm -hmm. side i've been selling uh, i sold for seniors I had 20 shares of that i sold inc intel i had a small bit of that in vfc as i think i spoke about them at the time there's a couple of those uh, cefs in there as well um so overall i have added 767 uh, dollars in dividend income over the quarter which is which is not too bad um it brings me up quite nicely to to nearly 4k i'm nearly at the 4k mark wow which is which is quite quite a big jump when you consider um in 2021 i was at 2k so i'm nearly double what i was at in 2021. nice 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 and how do you feel about it i feel i feel good um i did an exercise i, I kind of broke all my stocks down into different allocations um mm -hmm. you know i'm targeting like like an eight percent growth overall that's dividend yield and dividend growth so i split it out into dividend growth stocks yeah. and high yield stocks and then within the different different sectors um and it, it's interesting that i do earn most of my dividends from us dividend growth rather than yeah. high yield which is which is something yeah. that I'm, I'm happy about um but what i did notice on my european side of that mm -hmm. div dividend growth is actually not as strong as the us that's, that's something i need to i need to look at yeah. um and i think denone and Unilever are quite are not yeah, as strong. They contribute and, to that. Yeah. Exactly, they're, they're not as strong. But it's, look, it's, it's something that I, that I'm looking at. Um, you look yeah. at my turnaround stocks that I have there. They they have a negative five year dividend growth rate. That's the likes of your Intel, your Walgreens, yeah. your, your AT and T's. Um, yeah. They're in there as well. So it was, it was a good exercise today, and actually highlighted some some companies that I need to to pay a little bit more attention to. Yeah, I like actually your your Great British Pounds dividend growth as well, although a small small allocation, let's say, but still good good dividend growth. Is this British American Tobacco? Yeah, British American Tobacco is one, and uh, I think that's it. I think they're the only one. 
Nice. Uh, because I have a great British pound high yields and that's Chesnara and legal in general in there now as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, nice. Yeah, so so overall, I think it's been a solid, a solid like some growth, yeah. good growth there. Um, yeah, I, I I haven't tracked what I have reinvested like you. So, in terms of what I invested and what I've my forward income, I think my average yield over this quarter is about eight percent. But again, that's because of the the high insurance companies as well. So yeah. it'd be interesting. I, I don't think I'll be buying any more insurance next quarter so it'll be interesting to see where the market takes us yeah so but it's actually quite simple because all the cash that hits my account gets invested yeah it piles up so if you know what your dividend income was over the first quarter and you you and you know what you have invested in total you kind of know how much you have been reinvesting if your if your balance is at zero at the end of the quarter yeah sure okay good 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 well, you know, uh, for me, these updates uh, and also just doing it and, and these shows that we do around it, they are just so helpful because it really keeps me focused. So, for instance, for me now, I, I'm happy kind of with with my buys from from this quarter, but I still feel I need to do more. Um, how is it? I still feel I need to focus more on high quality. It's not easy because high quality comes at the price. Um, yeah, this what it is. It's still there. Yeah, they're just. I would love to buy twelve, let's say, high quality stocks, but usually there are just two or three that are in 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 my zone that I find it find it, it worth buying. It's it's a balance, isn't it? You're trying to yeah. buy the highest quality you can, but you also do look at the total return in terms yeah, of div exactly dividend yield and dividend growth. And and like you, what I've learned is my European dividend growth portfolio. Um, power to my portfolio. I really need to sit down now and and think about my goals and yeah. what what fits there, what doesn't, and see yeah. how I manage that. But it's um, it feels like a candy store out there at the moment, and it, it's it's so hard because you're looking you're looking at it an insurance company with an eight percent yield. It's over allocated in my portfolio, and you're going, I'm buying a two point seven five percent yield here, and I'm, I'm leaving money on the table, and that's the yeah, that's the yeah, bad. exactly. Excellent. But that's why also what I like that you did, you did the categorization. Yeah. And actually, you're quite well diversified between high yields, um, high quality, let's say, if really yeah. nice mix. Yeah, I was I, I was surprised. And, and, and you know what? I think there's actually some opportunities in the UK, um, some Irish companies in there that I, I might like to own. I did a, I did a YouTube video mm -hmm. on three Irish yeah. companies. So I think that might be an area I might start to pad out there a little bit as well. Yeah. Okay. BCC. DCC is up there and CRH is another one. Nice one. Nice. Good. I think it's uh, then time to go to some of our uh, listeners' questions, right? Yeah. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> Nakama works with us as a question. Just follow, just start learning and following you. Um, and he's learning about Ahold. He just wants to know if we have any commentary about this. I know we speak about him quite a bit, um, but he probably just wants. A little bit of reassurance on him. <laughs> well, he should have seen me sitting now. I'm wearing an Ahold blues at the <laughs> moment uh, here. But uh, look, Nakama, I tell you what the bull case is and what the bear case is. I think we should, should always do both, right? So the bull case is it is a really, really well-managed um, supermarket chain with its roots in the Netherlands around 
35 40% of its revenue from there it's uh, it's really an a brand supermarket there also really good in the high tech also it owns the dutch amazon uh, ball.com they tried to do an ipo when all the growth stocks were at their top but they were too slow so they still own this asset they postponed it at the same time they own a lot of um, uh, grocery stores like food lion is a big one in the in the east coast of the us um, it's just really really well managed so the beer case here is like you know supermarket chains they have really thin margins and they have also a relatively decent debt i would say or capital lease um so what what could happen with such a company if, if you would not understand the supermarket industry let's say you could argue like oh just this needs to happen and they're in trouble that the thing is with the why are these companies typically having a little bit more debt is because they're uh, how i said their revenue is really predictable and during recessions they actually usually sell more so that's why those companies can afford to have a bit more debt although if you benchmark it with a company like walmart then walmart has a much much better balance sheet so for me um uh, ahold is a top-notch quality i love it uh, not at these prices i would like to see it a little bit lower um, because i'm greedy in general um but yeah that's that's my story around ahold nice um ross our good friend ross has asked us if you had to explain your investment philosophy to a child how would you do it uh how i would do it i, I did it to, the other day to my uh, child a little bit i i tried to explain my son uh, the the power of compound interest and i wanted to let him know that how much his the iphone that he wanted to have at that at that price at the time let's say thousand euro how much that thousand euro if it would have been invested in johnson johnson uh, how much it would give him when he would be retired and uh, he fell almost off the chair uh, uh from it so he decided after that to buy a samsung for a fourth of the price <laughs> nice at least it was but good, father good kept the difference <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a win-win <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly um I, I i would i would do it by explaining about cash flow then if if you want companies to pay you a dividend they need to be able to afford it just follow the cash um, and explain that to a child by giving him five euro taking that five euro off him and then ask him for more money he won't be able to give it to me so say you want you want people who have money left over to give to you um but yeah i think that's i think that's the easiest way is just to explain with cash yeah all and then all and, the cash. and then they complain that all our kids are uh not in a good shape right now right those those teenagers uh depressions all these kinds of stuff because uh, they have these kinds of parents <laughs> i i mean i mean my kids seem fighting right they, they play football they love having fun and they have pretty much everything they want but they they have to either earn it or yeah they have to um they have to work for it in some way or shape or form there's no such thing as a free lunch that's that's what they say over here exactly exactly you should work hard good what uh, tools or websites or data providers do you use for screening and analysis from dave s um usually my go-to is is kyphen because uh, it gives a good spread of oil stocks actually eu uk us but we so can... you write it like k-o-y 
K-O-I-N. Yeah, K-O-Y-F-I-N. Kyphon. Um, and then recently we came across stratosphere.io, which is free. Yeah. So Kyphon is obviously paid for. Stratosphere.io is free. And the other one is R-O-I-C dot, is it A-I, I think? Yeah, yeah R-O-I-C dot A-I as well. I'll, I'll, I will link to them in the, in the show notes, but they're, they're the three that I would use the most, I would say. I, I actually use the most uh, the investor relation websites. Uh, actually, I use them more than the tools that you mentioned. I, I also use ticker.com sometimes. I, I really like the Quartar app. So Q, Q-U-A-T-R, you can download it from the App Store. There you have all the uh, quarterly earnings uh, reports and everything, and also the webcasts. But actually, I, I usually just always go to the annual reports and the quarterly reports. Also, when you go to Stratosphere, usually they are not quick enough because when I'm usually going into the documents is either after the earnings announcements to understand really how they have done for my holdings. But if I'm really researching, I usually also, um, of course, I, I look maybe at Stratosphere a little bit at the data, but then I really go still look at the balance sheet in the 10, uh, in the 10 Q as an example. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Of course. But if you are screening, I think Dave said, if, if you're screening for analysis, going into the investor relations of a hundred companies, say if you're screening is probably no, not for screening. Yeah. Right. yeah. So I, I think, I think that was yeah. the, the question more so for, yeah. for screening, obviously for the, for the data, I don't trust. I found enough discrepancies in all of them, yeah. not to trust yeah. them a hundred percent, but for screening, a hundred percent, I would yeah. choose, I would choose those, those others. Yeah. Um, end XE, um, what is your opinion regarding AO Smith ticker symbol AOS? Um, AO Smith, if I remember is an American water heater. They make commercial and residential water heaters, um, not just water heaters, but I think that's the main business. And I remember doing an analysis on them when I first, uh, maybe in 2019, I believe, when I first looked into them. A really, really, really good company. Uh, solid dividend growth history, solid cash flows, really predictable, good management. Um, but I always remember them being quite heavily priced. There was a period of time, I think, during COVID when they, when they dropped, and that was the time I, I kind of wish I bought them. But their dividend yield at the moment is around 1.6% percent if i'm looking at it correctly um which is which is way too long uh, way too low for my liking but in terms of balance sheet revenue growth cash flow growth it, it ticks all my boxes it's just the valuation with this company is is the key um, yeah. and it's too richly priced for me but really really good company um very low depth on the balance sheet and ticks all my boxes if nice. if it gets down to it three percent yield i would i would snap these guys up yeah, yeah. that means almost half the price yes Good. yes <laughs> <laughs> then jason hurley is asking what our thoughts are on holding around 40 to 50 long-term company stocks to minimize the effect any one company can have on your dividends well actually this is exactly what i'm doing jason uh, if you go to the blog europeandgi.com you will find there an article called uh, portfolio allocation strategy just just look in the menu you will on the left side you will see it there and, and that's what i do i cluster my stocks into tier one tier two tier three tier four and if you are a tier one company you're a maximum four percent of my portfolio if the company will go bankrupt i would lose four percent of, of value there 
to be fair, I have some companies like Shell, what I, er, I mentioned earlier in the show, it's now 8% as a holding because I'm still in the accumulation phase. So Shell would have a higher impact if it would go bankrupt. If Shell would go bankrupt though, we I think we have some other problems in this world as well. Yeah, I, I, I read that first. I said 40 to 50, that's a lot of companies. And then I quickly checked and I own 45. So I mean, we, I, we kind of already kind of already do that. Um, and and you can you can go the other way. You can you can go well beyond that. We do have a good friend within the dividend talk group, um, Alan, who has hundreds. He's like he's like a global ETF, um, where really one company putting their dividend will have virtually no impact on on your overall dividends because yeah. there has so many. So I think that's what most people do. It's normally between 20, 30, and forty stocks, isn't it, that yeah. people own? So. Um, Phil has asked for your thoughts on Baba, which I think you gave. You're you're quite happy with it. Yeah. And Prabhu has asked us. Um, European DJI always mentions that you spread your bonus across twelve months, so he spreads the risk. What about a newcomer to dividend investing and say he has fifty k cash at hand? How do they, as a European resident, go about it? Invest in ETFs or slowly? move to dividend stocks oh yeah this is difficult because let's assume here that it's really a newcomer so doesn't really have experience with um you know just stock picking analyzing what high quality companies are so i would in with that kind of knowledge i would always go for an etf because an etf you don't really need to have the knowledge you're not stock picking you just need to figure out what etf uh, to take if you're in europe I, yeah that means like there are a few few ETFs, and I think it's like a bet on the economy or something like that. If you're taking, let's say, a British dividend ETF, or you take just the all world dividend ETF, what I only would recommend is always at least read a bit the policy to understand like what do you pay in commission and the TER percentage there, and what has been their performance. Yeah, and and what are the top ten holdings? At least this a little bit, I think people should do. If they figure out like hey these top 10 holdings those are companies i kind of feel familiar with then that's good and then i will probably take all the cash in it when i'm a newcomer and then uh, uh like let's say the whole 50k and from there i would probably say uh, to say to the newcomer buy a lot of books yeah we have mentioned often on the show here about warren buffett how to read a balance sheet start with it and then start allocating some of your monthly income into into picking individual stocks Be because a newcomer totally new without any knowledge about this i, th I think would, i would not recommend straight away going stock picking unless you um and specifically with this amount right assuming that this is for the person like the life savings yeah 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 i mean look it's always circumstantial and and advising whether someone should invest in etfs or dividend stocks is not something we can generally do like we, we we talk dividend stocks this is dividend talk so obviously our bias is, is more towards dividend stocks but etfs have their advantages particularly for newcomers and stock picking is not easy i mean sometimes you can get that impression that it is and there was over the last 10 years it probably was you throw a dart at a stock and it more than likely rose in price but certainly we're coming into a period where it's going to require a little bit more time due diligence thought how can they handle inflation how can they handle it rising costs 
um, what are they doing with their workforce? There's, there's a whole lot to to picking individual stocks. So I would say if you're a brand newcomer and you don't have the time, <laughs> I would I would lean I would lean towards ETFs more so. Um, Snowblind has asked us, what are the advantages or disadvantages of products like Jeppy? They are fashionable, and I think it's an interesting topic on how they work. Um, so first of all, they are not accessible to us as Europeans, but let's assume they were. Um, the benefit here, I would say, is that you get a high yield on the on the ETF, but don't be mistaken, this is not out of dividends. This is out of uh, cash secured. Um, I said no. Yeah, yeah. Trade, call option selling. Option yeah, yeah, trading. yeah. Option trading. So I, I, I don't like these kinds of ETFs. I've been pondering sometimes with my thoughts there. Like, okay, you know, what if I would just uh, uh, buy some at a ten or eleven percent yield because this is what it is. But you know, you have no, not really. Your principle is not really protected um, with this one. And you're really doing it purely for the high income. Now, you could take this one, uh, Yepi, GPI, and compare it maybe with Omega Healthcare's uh, investors. Maybe Yepi would then be a good alternative because I spoke last week about that I don't feel so comfortable, let's say, with Omega Healthcare investors. But generally, I'm not a fan of these kinds of things. These are not dividend ETFs. Yeah, they give a high yield, but this is from option income. And it's not from dividends, and I rather prefer dividend ETFs. Yeah, you, you still have to understand how options work. I think to comfortably own these. I mean, you you mentioned that you do have calls, you have puts, you have cash secured puts, you have covered calls, and they do two different things. And if I, I mean, I don't pay too much attention to these because, as you said, they're not accessible to us as Europeans. But say, for example, these guys sell covered calls. That limits their upside because they're they're selling. They're always getting sold off. Um, so you, you do look. You do have to understand what options are and understand what the underlying is they want to achieve the yields that it, it is giving you and how sustainable that is in a bear market, in a bull market, in in all, in all those different scenarios. There is also no such thing as a free lunch. They have a high yield, but it's it's a high yield for for a reason. There is risk associated with that. I do not mind having high risk and high yield, but it's a small portion of my portfolio. I don't have Jeppy, but I do have high income stocks and funds. Um, but I would just say understand what they do. Um, I can I can understand the appeal to them, but look, most people are attracted to the yield, and I don't think they do enough due diligence and understand the whole business model behind these companies. That that's my biggest fear with these. Um, options trading, like a lot of things, was 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 been tossed around the internet for a long time, and I got caught up in that. I, I'm the first one to admit it. Um, so just just be careful. Uh, next question is from Tim, and he says, "Do you have any tips or tricks to avoid being price anchored?" Yes, uh, as such, well, as such, yes. Don't focus on the stock price, but focus on your fair value price. That's what I've been doing uh, over the last year because uh, price anchoring is really, really hard as a psychology. Really, really hard. But I just mentioned that I bought Johnson Johnson two times in the first quarter. My initial price was hundred fifteen dollars, uh, or the no hundred dollars, then hundred fifteen dollars. It has been compounding over the years. 
And now I'm always looking at, okay, I want this when it's between 2.75 or 3% yield. So I bought some at 162 when it was, let's say, 2.8. And then I put my next buy at 3% uh, here. So um, what I'm trying to say is like, if you move away from the stock price as being price anchored, but rather being price anchored on the fair value, at least it's making it a bit easier for me. Um, but still, it's one of the most toughest psychological topics uh, in my whole dividend growth investing. Yeah, it, it is. It is quite difficult, and you see that um, the exercise I completed earlier when I'm looking at the yield and dividend growth and looking at the total return. And by looking, focusing on that, if I'm getting a good yield, good dividend growth, and it, it's meeting my expectations, I forget about the price. And yeah. that's what I'm. That's what I'm trying to do. That's what I'm trying to incorporate. But Tim, it, if it was as easy as I'm saying, <laughs> I wouldn't yeah. have the problem, and I, I, I still do sometimes. So it should be almost aut autistic, yeah, to only focus on the formula. Almost I, sometimes that's I think the best bit to to have no emotion at all, no emotion at all, and yeah, that that's yeah. so tough. We're, we're not robots, so it's 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 no. It's going, I think it's going to happen, but. I suppose the key is trying to learn from it and and write write down write down all those times where you refused to buy it because it was too high. Come back in three months and see what the share price is. Has it gone up? Has it gone down? Were you right? Were you wrong? And then you might you might start to see some patterns. Maybe. Good. I I still wanted to leave the show a little bit with a stock pick uh, this week uh, that I'm considering in as a first buy in April. And I mentioned the sticker already today. It's T row price. Um, I'm waiting a little bit for their message about assets under management. If there are no surprises there, because it felt like it was stabilizing now in the first two quarters, uh, two two months, then I will uh, probably buy some again. Uh, still pristine balance sheet. And what I also liked is that the um, uh, so ticker symbol T R O W. They they just bought a, a company, Retiree Inc. I think that fintech firm that offers innovative uh, retirement income planning software and we've been talking the other time about like you know this is maybe not this maybe more traditional firm right and and their strategies really to start picking up by also having the etfs and such really to go into this business also considering fintech so that you can see at least they are really taking um i said Putting the money where their uh, uh, mouth is, and that's that's what I like uh, from what I saw here. And also, if you think about it, I still have this fair value around hundred forty-five dollars. So for me, it's heavily undervalued, around hundred thirteen dollars at the moment. It gives, I believe, a four point twenty-five percent dividend yield now, something like that. Thirty-six years of dividend growth. So for me, it is uh, it is really really nice. How uh, is it? A really, really nice uh, topic for me, uh, stock for me to to consider more credit rating of A plus. So, yeah, just wanted to give a heads up to people that I might buy this if the assets on the management don't disappoint me. I I actually thought that these would suffer a little bit more with the whole financial news and 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 all that, but they're, they're still holding up quite well. Um, I've added a small bit to them in January or February. Can't remember, um, but I'm. I'm waiting for them to drop a little bit more, but I mean, the, the balance sheet is 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 what's really attractive here, isn't it? Yes, and the yield as well. I think a four point twenty five percent for such a high quality business, right? As well, yeah. so 
I'm not price anchored on this one. So I feel like I can buy it at this price. I can buy it lower. I can also buy it a bit higher. So just once I've got the cash on my account again, I will I will buy some again. Cool. That's my thinking. Unless as no surprises with assets under management because that's the main thing I track here uh, because that defines a lot about what the earnings per share will be. And of course, I'm in it for the long term, so I don't think there will be any issue. But if I see that the assets under management really drop, at least need to check my fees uh, a bit. Yeah, I, I I don't think so. I don't think it will drop too much. I've, I've just checked, and they are my fourth highest company. Actually, they've moved up quite. Wow! Soon. So I, I bought I got bought a good bit of them towards the end of last year. But I'm 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 really hoping they drop a bit more because I would like to. I would like to own a small bit yeah. more. For me, they are number thirteen or fourteen. So I still have some space, some some room to go. Good. Nice to have a stock pick. We haven't had one in quite a while um i might try the next one next week actually um perfect so thanks to all our listeners for all the questions again we hope you enjoyed the show and we will talk to you all next week remember both of us at david and talk are not certified financial specialists through formal education we are just two guys sharing our journey for inspiration and entertainment purposes hence this is not investment advice although we do our best we can't promise that the information discussed is always correct nor appropriate for you or anybody else we always recommend that you do your own due diligence and be accountable for your own choices as we always say you can't borrow conviction from others last but not least by listening to our podcast you agree to hold us harmless from any ramifications financial or otherwise that occur to you as a result of acting on information provided in this podcast